Hello, I'm Ken Bruce. I appeared as a guest on My Time Capsule, and after that I had to give up a job I'd had for 46 years. <sighs> anyway, they want me to tell you that they've started a thing called Acast Plus, where for a small monthly fee you can get the podcast ad-free. For me, I think the ad's are the best thing in it. That Fenton Stevens, he does drone on a bit. Anyway, whatever you like, do something and have a go at it. ACAS Plus, my time capsule. Thanks, Ken. Charming. Anyway, to get my time capsule ad-free and for a bonus my time capsule, the debrief episode every week, subscribe to ACAS Plus. Details in the description of this episode. Thanks. Bloody Ken Bruce, what a cheek. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens. In this podcast, I ask my guest to choose the five things from their life that they would like to put in a time capsule, four things they wish to preserve, and one they'd like to bury and never have to think about again. My guest in this episode is the actress Natasha McAlone. Natasha has starred in over 20 major movies, including Surviving Picasso, The Truman Show, The Devil's Own, Ladies in Lavender, Ronin and Solaris. On television, she was in Californication. She played the first lady to Kiefer Sutherland's president in Designated Survivor, is in The First, a drama about the first human mission to Mars, and the upcoming drama Halo. On stage, she has appeared in the West End in Fatal Attraction and played Sarah Churchill in Queen Anne of the RSC, which I was also in. Not that you'd have noticed. Natasha has done all this whilst bringing up three sons on her own after the sudden death of her husband, Martin, in 2008. So, finally, after working with, uh, well, the likes of Anthony Hopkins, Violet Davis, Harrison Ford, Jim Carrey, Geraldine McEwan, Brad Pitt, Heather Graham, William Hurt, Judy Dench, Kenneth Branagh, Maggie Smith, George Clooney, Christian Bale, Francis McDormand, and the two Shawns, Penn and Bean, a rather unimpressive career has reached its zenith with an episode of My Time Capsule. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm delusional. Anyway, I hope you enjoy listening to Natasha as much as I enjoyed talking to her. I started thinking about it properly last night mm. and um, I had a kind of dilemma because I thought, well, I want to be a responsible ancestor. <laughs> so in the sense that an archaeologist they have a dig and they you hear these stories how they found a Roman brick with the workman's 
handprint on it and yeah. you know they held it and they had this extraordinary experience or connection to something from another era mm. and yet the continuum that they both have hands still I suppose but I was kind of thinking okay so what would I leave where I could assure that the next person would have some understanding of where we are now mm. and of course <laughs> you then get into well do I get a flash drive with a sort of, you know, a terabyte of, of <laughs> space and put all the, you know, you do this sort of Carl Sagan um, golden record thing and, yeah, and, and yeah. you send it to you, Mars. You put everything you can imagine. Yeah, everything mm. you can imagine. Or you, you bury it in the earth. And then you start to think, well, perhaps people won't be reading anymore. I sort of had this thought that perhaps everything, whereas language will still be understood. And then I got into a thing of, well, no language is so limiting that's all we have to communicate with and actually by then mm. there'll be cyborgs and um <laughs> uh, you know ai and those are our we'll have mind children we won't have sort of genetic children anymore oh, so i God. got into a, a whole sort of quandary around what responsible ancestry would look like and what would be the most useful thing to put in it i'm so sorry i sent you down that road no no i loved it <laughs> oh, I, I i find all that fascinating because mm. i don't think we're going to be as we are for very no. much longer the role that i was playing that i just sort of left as this um ai professor right so it led me down all these interesting pathways mm. it just led me to think of where we are now mm -hmm. as such a tiny transitory moment in the grand scheme of things. Yes. And so suddenly it felt quite small to sort of put my favorite piece of music or something <laughs> that was sentimental to me. Do, do you know what I mean? It, I it do know what you mean. It felt irresponsible somehow, but I'm very happy to go to that place as well. Yeah. Um, but it just, it was what, what I loved about the prompt, if you like, your suggestion of a time capsule was it just, led me to think about the insignificance of my own tiny little life. <laughs> well, in a way, that is what this is about. It is that these things are insignificant. Anybody else looking at them would regard them as being completely unimportant. Yeah. But they are important to you. Yeah. So having done my disclaimer, my, my sort of caveat that I do understand I'm I'm not being a very good ancestor by uh, <laughs> by leaving these tiny few things. So I was thinking about music. Yeah. And trying to sort of because I'm assuming I can't have something that has massive storage in the box that well, essentially uh, has everything in it. So I'm gonna be disciplined. This is a desert island disc thing of just no just one. If you like I can put the Halle Orchestra in there. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's that sort of, uh, it's a figurative thing, I'm afraid. I'm not going to be sending one round by uh, UPS. <laughs> Let's imagine it's any size you want. Well, I, I, so I went for the sort of macro to the micro, mm -hmm. just thinking about all the music that I love and looking at playlists. And I thought, okay, so what song or what piece of music sort of distills all of that, has all of that, if, if it's possible? I was trying to sort of be disciplined and mm. just think of one thing. It's tough. Really tough, but I think, I think I came up with it. Oh. So I'm quite excited about this. <laughs> now, it's not something that I listen to all the time. It's not something that's on, you know, numerous playlists. And it's definitely not my era. It's not my generation particularly. Mm. I think it's even, you know, before my mum. But um, it's Benny Goodman's orchestra yeah. playing Sing, Sing, Sing. Do you know that? Sing, sing, sing. Yeah, I think I do. It's just the most incredible big band yeah. song. It starts, I mean, I almost, yeah, I want to play it for you. I won't because obviously it will crash in from my 
Spotify or something. But it's um, the first part is sort of, let's just say the person, it wasn't a cyborg, it was a human who found all of this. And there'd been some awful sort of apocalypse mm. and they just had nothing. And I thought, well, this piece of music gets you started so it sort of gets you out of bed you feel like dancing there's a whole sort of sensual part in the second half that's quite sort of soporific and sort of like by a fire sort of campfire kind of almost sexy dreamy hypnotic and and then there's sort of it's almost like the parts of it that are some of the drums throughout it are sort of like or the clarinet they're sort of like elephants um <laughs> and, and so you'd have sort of safari that like you'd have all of earth's experiences in this piece of music drums and horns and it's like there's a kids games element to it you know where the the instruments sort of talk to one another and egg one another on yeah. sort of catch me if you can kind of improv <laughs> little sequences in it and it's playful and it's almost military sometimes there's a kind of you know military marching element to part of it anyway I just think it's the most sensational piece of music. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, people have riffed on it, you know, afterwards. And I'm sure it could be the soundtrack. To, in fact, I think, I think it was the soundtrack to, um, well, invariably Wood, Woody Allen used all this music. He used loads of jazz in his, in his movies, didn't he? But if not his, then other people's. Um, well, I wouldn't worry about it because I think almost certainly at this point, everybody stopped listening to us and is now on Spotify. I hope so. So in fact, we could just sit back and relax for a bit. Uh, uh, perfect. Okay. They go away, <laughs> they click onto Spotify, and then hopefully they come back to us. So yeah. we'll say, welcome back. How did you like the music? Yeah, how did you like that piece of all-encompassing music. Benny Goodman. Yeah, Benny Goodman's orchestra, sing, sing, sing. So you're saying that's before your mum's time? Well, I do, I'm trying to think, actually, what, when was that? Yeah, because it, it was Benny Goodman, 1930s, have I got that completely yeah, wrong? Yeah, 30s and 40s, I think. Yeah. yeah. The war. Yeah, so, yeah. But maybe it was something that she inherited, because I remember her playing it. She was really into jazz. And Oh, and the other thing was it kind of, there's a nice through line in terms of kind of, I don't know, lineage or, or not lineage in any grand way, but I just mean in the basic um, passing on of one generation to another, that mm. my mom and my dad met through jazz and my little boy plays jazz trumpet and piano. He's obsessed <laughs> oh, with jazz. brilliant. And very weirdly, his middle name, my, um, as you know, my, my husband died when I was pregnant with my little boy and yeah. my husband was a jazz fanatic and he, his um, hero was, um, well, he had a few, but Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Pharaoh Sanders, all these people. And mm. I remember thinking, I have to pick a name um, for him, either his first or his middle, but I didn't want him to sort of have to lug around some <laughs> legacy, no, no. Of, you know, some jazz giant. Um, <laughs> but I thought, well, let's do it for his middle name. In fact, the boys, my older two sons, kind of also chose the name. So we decided his middle name would be Coltrane. Coltrane, brilliant. So that's his middle name. Um, it often is the case, isn't it, that people love a piece of music that is really not their time. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. passed, as you say, passed through the generations. I'm very fond, strangely, of Al Jolson music because my father loved it so much. Huh. So, yeah. you know, every time I hear it, I find it really evocative. It, it, yeah. it means an enormous amount to me. And I find it very moving. But uh, I would know nothing about that music apart from my dad insisting on singing it at every opportunity. And also, you wouldn't necessarily listen to it all the time. No. That's what I was I was sort of thinking, is this kind of not very authentic? Because I don't put that on all the time. But then I thought, well, well, no, it's 
that's possibly why because it's so distracting yeah. it's yeah. so sort of all-consuming when you do this and the other thing about it because i was thinking about my mum's music um she's she's she really loves music and but she's Irish. And so I was sort of made to do Irish dancing when I was little. And um, mm-hmm. before it was cool, by the way. Well, actually, I don't know if river dance is cool, but anyway, before river dance. <laughs> it's the Macalone, is that yeah, her name? Yeah, exactly. Ah. Yeah. And so um, one of the instruments that I love so much is, is the baron, yeah. the Irish uh, drum. There's something so exciting about that instrument. But it's, uh, you know, very much you listen to a lot of... Um, chieftains and all that kind of traditional mm. irish music with as well as baron in it and some sometimes if you're dancing you, you know if you were listening to the music that we had to dance to that would always sort of really get me going yeah. um when i when i listened to that <laughs> instrument and the benny goodman the sing 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 it's like that you know it's that kind of heartbeat that kind of racing yeah yeah excitement thrill um, I don't know, Jeopardy or something. Mm. And so, yeah, that's all. It's all in that song. It's all in there. Um, yeah. Do you feel that Irish influence in your life? I think when I was little, I, I I was quite conflicted about it because my parents were very Republican and quite political. Mm. And I remember when I was tiny, I think it's almost sort of right in my first year of school, the, the Jubilee, the mm. Silver Jubilee, whatever it was, 77. Yeah. And I remember my, we'd had to go, <laughs> we had to go to school, but I had some instruction to kind of make a sort of red, white and blue flag or something to wave. Mm. And uh, of course, my mother refused to do it. So it was just the most <laughs> humiliating thing. <laughs> she said to me something like, you'll jig on the spot. That's what you'll do when yeah. the music starts. <laughs> and keep your arms by your side yeah exactly exactly so yeah there was always this sort of conflict of interest um but my my goodness very mild compared to a lot of people's well Uh, that's the music sorted yes absolutely well let's put benny goodman sing 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 i'm going to put that into the time capsule and that'll be i'm going to put the whole orchestra in there yeah they're all in there playing away they're tuning up waiting for somebody to open it up and the music will burst forth Excellent. Mm. Oh, my God, that would be incredible. Wouldn't that would it? be incredible for someone to find. Yeah, that has to be the first thing that's found. Brilliant. Um, and then the second thing I was thinking, so with the ancestry thing in mind, being a responsible ancestor. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I think I would love to find this, if you see what I mean. So thinking of it from both sides, the sort of Svalbard, the, you know, the seeds, some seeds. Seeds. That idea of... Um, if the world was incinerated, there would be these seeds that you'd find yes. um, wherever they are uh, um, kept um, in Svalbard. I think um, each country is given some seeds. The seed bank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely idea, isn't it? Yeah, it's a brilliant idea. So I think my little seed bank, it actually wouldn't be anything, I mean, intuitively, again, being really selfish and irresponsible, it wouldn't be for food at all. I've seemed <laughs> to have that sorted out. And if they are cyborgs, they don't really need that kind of nutrition. So, um, <laughs> and maybe they wouldn't have senses either, but I think they would. I think even if they don't have noses, they will be able to, <laughs> their brains will be able to process, won't they? They're sort of. Yeah. Analyze what a smell is. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. It'll be fine. So I thought seeds of, um, I was thinking, you know, those, they don't always flower, but you know, magnolia, grandiflora, magnolia trees. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. Those flowers, you put one in a house and the entire house smells of lemon. It's like mm. a blast of sunlight mm. and it's the most incredible smell. 
Um, and it lasts for a few days. So I sort of thought seeds for a grandiflora magnolia or maybe a rose bush or at the moment, particularly as night falls, I'm mm. noticing if I go for a walk, I'll get blasts of jasmine oh, and honeysuckle, yes. you know, yes. and those smell, they can just be mood altering. Mm. Um, Overwhelming. Yeah. My garden at the moment is exactly that. Right. Halfway down my garden, there's an enormous honeysuckle growing through a tree. Oh. Uh, and oh, it makes you almost fall over the smell. Exactly. And then at the end of the garden, by my greenhouse, I have a lot of jasmine. So it, it's, again, it's an incredibly powerful smell. I love those smells. I love, And they're so sort of reminiscent of evenings or I don't know what my association is um because actually evenings are nuts for me but you know, <laughs> there was there was a time uh when it would be about sort of sitting and chatting and kind of I don't know I, I yeah so I would definitely put some seeds lovely we always imagine don't we that actually summer is about sitting around a table outside with wonderful smells drinking wine and talking with people even if you've only done it twice I know in in the whole summer yeah it's why people buy barbecues even though they probably yeah. hardly ever use them. Yeah. Well, it, there is nothing nicer. But it mm. leaves an imprint. That's really what we're after, isn't it? The things that have been impactful and yeah. sort of mood-altering. And actually, the impact is is quite swift. <laughs> it's not something that you have to practice or form a habit around. No. No, no, it's fairly straightforward, isn't it? Mm. I remember the first time that I sort of discovered those things. As a young man, we never went abroad. Did you travel much? Well, because my parents were divorced, the massive advantage of that was that my dad would obviously feel guilty and so take us away to Spain <laughs> on holiday. It was a treat. Yeah, we used to go away yeah. with him once a year or whatever. Yeah. I didn't experience that until I was um, you know, late teens when I mm -hmm. went on my own. And I, I just found it life-changing really hmm. because i thought well this is the world outside this is what it's like it's not like sitting on uh, the isle of wight yeah this is completely different this heat this these smells this food and these cigarettes that's the thing i particularly remember sadly <laughs> <laughs> lovely we'll put those seeds in there and that that'll teach them the value of time as well because they'll have to grow them and watch that thing grow to maturity yeah. before they get the full effect of it. Yes, you're right. By that time, there'll be labs which um, expedite the whole process and you don't um, even need earth. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. If, if we're growing beef, then... Uh... <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, well, poor people, yeah. never mind. But I don't know, maybe it'll be better. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it'll be much better. I think, yeah, the Nova scene, um, I think it's called... Um, Is that where everything changes? The whole political system, the whole economic system, everything changes? Mm. I, I do believe that um, for the first time, we'll be sharing the planet with an intelligence that is more sophisticated than us, oh. that obviously we will have helped make. Mm. But I do, I think there'll be AI. And then it will become so obvious that what this thing is telling us is true, that we'll just automatically follow it. Mm. Oh. And um, they will be able to see outcomes in a way that we can't. Mm. And um, they will be able to mitigate against sort of war and conflict and yeah. find resolution in a way that we're unable to. Um, I suppose I think we've already sort of uploaded our personalities and preferences to a power that is mm. much greater than us and um, 
quite willingly without being asked for permission. <laughs> we do it all day, every day. So the idea that we're going to stop AI from being our leader one day, I think, yeah, I'm in without question. We're creating our own God. Yes, but unlike other sort of deification, it's not going to be imagined. It's going to yeah. be very real. <laughs> um, I I also think that there's a sort of, I don't know, there's some whole theory around the, you know, the bit, the, the basic sort of unit of, of information of zeros or mm. ones or, you know, the way in which computers originally worked, that you can construct these whole worlds from this yes. very, very simple binary. And there's an idea that that information may indeed be the basis of the cosmos. So in fact, there is a system out there that we just haven't managed because our intelligence is quite limited. Yes. We haven't managed to um, hear yet, if you like. Our idea that all life is sort of carbon-based is probably wrong, that there are probably mm. all sorts of other sources which we just don't really have the capacity to understand but um, there are other codes, so not just sort of RNA and DNA, but there's life forms that are written in other codes that um, are based on digital electronic instructions that, you know, we will one day, with the help of AI, in invent and then, I think, tap into something that's completely different than we have now and is, you know, connected to the rest of the cosmos. It's not just this sort of, as I said, this sort of little anthropomorphic kind of, earth-based mm. existence um i don't know no in the meantime i'm going to rely entirely on dna and rna and uh, put my faith in your seeds <laughs> yeah, exactly. well that's why i think the seeds might also be really interesting for future life. they may say what's this sort of life form See, exactly exactly and and with that in mind actually with the sort of whole idea of kind of um you know a genetic map and a, mm. a code that I was thinking around okay so in a sentimental way I don't know if you did this and my mom did it with us but you sort of keep your kids milk teeth and little yeah. you know cuttings of flax and hair yeah. from when they're toddlers and things the first haircut whatever it is I've mm. still got these sort of boxes with their um their DNA in um obviously not doing it for that reason but <laughs> no. um there's a sort of dovetailing of the two of the two things I think I would put you know, one of those little boxes with um, a, uh, a milk tooth and a bit of hair that could yes. then be analysed. They're tiny, aren't they? Absolutely tiny. Yeah, they're like little pearls. It's funny, isn't it, when children make that change from uh, having the teeth of a baby and then these adult teeth come through and you look at your child and it's completely changed. You know that feeling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very well. It's such an enormous demonstration of time whizzing by and also, I suppose, you know, seedling to fully grown thing that mm. doesn't resemble the seed in any way, shape or form. I love I love those kind of mutations and transformations. Um, it's wonderful, isn't it, to watch? I was thinking during this period, I was thinking after sort of three months of me having looked at faces that I made, um, yeah. <laughs> it would be really nice to, to look at another gene pool for a moment, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. How old are your boys now? Um, 20, 17 and 11. Wow. Which is ridiculous. Um, I can't believe I've actually got a 20-year-old. 
only because it feels so recent. Mm. You know, the 11 or the 7, it is this sort of long distance. I don't, I don't know whether our memories, whether we sort of cleave to, there's sort of increments of time where if it's, you know, childhood 10 years, it's like 100 years because it went so slowly. Whereas if yeah. it's sort of from 20 to 30 or 30 to 40, it, it feels uh, very recent, very kind of tangible and yeah. visceral still because um, I think that, you know, it gets faster and faster, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think the teeth and, and the hair. And there's a thing. I remember um, wanting to find out something to do with the uh, issue of one of my kids. And there was sort of this idea that, you know, there may be a genetic component. And you know, obviously I could give blood tests and stuff. But my, my husband isn't here. And I was sort of thinking, God, why don't I have a bit of his hair or, or a tooth oh, right. or a nail or something? Because that's all they needed. And I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have it. I didn't have anything. So I think there's another kind of, there's a kind of like an urgency to sort of, I I just think, I don't know, that could just be useful because what happens if yeah. it was a future relative of ours who found it and um, then perhaps they could extract some information from, that's a long shot, obviously. It's but, worth um, it, I think. Or if humans had, had um, been wiped out altogether and someone mm. felt like trying to kind of map or make make a, I suppose a clone in a lab or something. Maybe that would be mm. enough for them to do it with. And it would be your son. And you can take your pick. They are all marvelous specimens <laughs> of um, our species. Yes, <laughs> I think it's a really lovely thing to keep in there, and it's an interesting idea, isn't it? We've lost that a bit, haven't we? Of keeping those mementos, little keepsakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very Victorian thing, that isn't it? That, mm. that they always had lockets with hair, or mm. you know. and in Ireland, those those trees, these trees, um, with oh, it's awful actually. When a little child has died or something, you sort of hang their toy or a bit of hair or something. Oh, and really? Then, yeah. Oh, I don't know that. Mm. On the roadside. Yeah, they're just oh. just around the place and. It almost looks like they've been decorated, but but obviously mm. it's not decoration. It's it's um like a little not altar. What do you what do you call them? A little shrine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, that's sad. I mean, I always find those just a bunch of flowers taped to a lamppost. Very sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's something about the wishing tree that I remember when I was little. If we drove past one, I I, I think you, you know there's sort of ribbons and bits I, I don't even really particularly remember this is very much a childhood memory and I think there's sort of offerings to saints uh, there's a religious element to, to it yeah I remember always sort of shuddering slightly I, I don't know why I, I guess it exists in every religion and Catholicism particularly they have these have those sort of strange ideas don't they my mother was very keen on the idea of purgatory which I never particularly liked the idea of but somewhere where you know if you hadn't been so bad that you went instantly to hell you sat in this place waiting to get into heaven and if enough people <sighs> prayed for you then eventually you'd be given permission and it's it's a really strange idea that you're sort of earning points and then God says okay all right you can come in <laughs> she really believed in it yeah yeah, it's like Lourdes. I remember my grandmother used to always go and come back with these files of holy water. And Oh, yes, Lourdes. Large part of my youth as well. My mum was always going off to Lourdes. Really? Yeah, and then she'd bring back holy water that had been blessed by the Pope. You know, that was the greatest water to have. Yes, 
Okay, I'm going to put the lovely little tin. Is it a little tin of milk tea? Yeah, I think they're, they're little. They're little sort of um, wooden box. Little wooden box. But I suppose they're biodegradable, so maybe we have to put. Oh it no, in. it's it's hermetically sealed. It's hermetically <laughs> sealed. Yeah. You'd yeah. be perfectly safe in there. And anyway, if Benny Goodman's orchestra can survive, then yeah. these little boxes will be fine. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put those in with the milk teeth and the strands of hair. Fabulous. So, what's next? Where are you going to go now? We're going to take a short break here, possibly for some adverts. We'll be back very shortly. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. Okay, let's find out what else Natasha McElone would like to put into her time capsule. It was funny, actually, in a sense, I was thinking about the time capsules in my house. Um, and I remember... Um, after my husband died, I had this desk and I moved into a room and, and my friend who was helping me said, you know, come on, empty the drawers for God's sake. Mm. I said, no, 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 don't touch, don't, don't touch the drawers. Of course, half of them were filled with junk or the top two particularly were sort of almost how a crime scene is left mm. when there's a, I don't know, a robbery or, or, or a death in a room and the police put tape around it so you don't move any of the articles inside the room the desk was a bit like that and and I kind of felt that I really wanted the boys to have to have that to sort of have access to so when they opened a drawer mm. that wasn't something that had been reorganized or reinterpreted or filtered by me no. that was him that were the contents of his a large part of his life which was spent you know working and at his desk or at least organizing for his operation so, so you've got these fantastic notebooks which he was an amazing illustrator and he would draw a lot of his patients or his plans for very he was a surgeon plans mm. for operations and so forth there would be um you know very artistic element to a lot of the note taking that he did and some of it was obviously medical terminology and um there would sort of be notes for an abstract that he was writing or um mm. uh, a, a talk that he might be doing but they'd be littered with these fabulous little sketches mm. and then because he played music and he painted as well 
there would be, you could tell the way his mind worked. It's very sort of, even though he could be very, very focused in his attention, unlike me, where if I get sidetracked by something, that will sort of be a full on deviation from what Hmm. it was that was the purpose in hand. What he seemed to be able to do was flit from a work idea to an idea for a music composition to an idea for a painting to an idea for a holiday that he might book. And a lot of it would just be illustrated. So there would be a sort of picture of a pineapple and a sort of (laughs) a a country next to it where he thought that we should explore or, uh, you know, a sort of turtle. And uh, you could tell it was like maybe the Galapagos Islands that he was fantasizing about as Mm. he was mid work (laughs) (laughs) in a dreary sort of dusty London office with the rain (laughs) pattering outside. And that then that would carry on to carrying on about the sort of the rhinoplasty operation that he was about to do. So I just loved his sort of uh, the way his mind worked. And I wanted them to be, to have access to to that, to just be able to sort of drill right into that. And so this desk um, still exists. Mm. uh, And I think the boys have, I let them, you know, when they were little sort of ferrets around in various drawers (laughs) and stolen sort of paper clips or, um, I don't know, you know, an old mobile phone or something that was in there and, um, and tried to use it as a motherboard for some experiment that they were doing. But, um, so it's all quite chaotic, but we probably couldn't fit that in a time capsule. Oh, but again, I'll, I'll make it big enough. Would we really? Okay. Yeah. Well, then I think that would be a fantastic article. To it put it in does sound capsule. absolutely fascinating. I love the idea of seeing how someone's brain works just from their notebook. I mean, mm. absolutely. That I, I'm like you. If I change subjects. The other one's gone. I've lost yeah. it. You know, I have no yeah. idea what I was doing before. So that thing of being able to think of four or five things at the same time, while, oh, yeah. while still giving each one the proper attention, is amazing. And even I remember one. I found um, this picture of a certain angle that you could go into a wave at that would ensure that you know you enjoyed whatever it's called the. Is it the Green Tunnel? What What is it? Oh, surfers right. yeah, call the, yeah. the way that I'm not sure, but I know he, what you mean. And he loves surfing. Um, and so um, there was a sort of picture and a kind of, and it was obviously, I think it was a sort of Google search of of how do I approach this without sort of flying off my ass the, the, the minute the wave catches me. Or I don't, mm. I don't even know what the surfing terminology is. But I remember there was this brilliant picture and all these sort of like little geographic kind of um angles and arrows uh and almost like a sort of maths equation Mm. um so his approach to things even surfing was kind of meticulous he used to make sushi as well he used to roll sushi um (laughs) just perfectly it would be they're the sort of works of art so his it's really what i loved about this desk and its contents was it was his sort of approach to life encapsulated Mm. in in this little time capsule and I, I could never relay that to them properly no. because obviously it's always through the sort of portal of, of my love and experience of him. But this seemed like a pure form, just unadulterated him. Good Lord. How old was he when he died, your husband? Uh, 43, just turned 43. That's yeah. young, but, but yeah. my, my, my word, God, he crammed a lot in, didn't he? Oh, my God. Five lives in one. Yeah, that's that's the one glorious thing mm. there was no nothing he didn't try that he wanted to try he, he was the opposite of what's the opposite of a procrastinator 
<laughs> is there a word for it? Someone who does things before they're even ready An to. An antichrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> a precrastinator, yeah. Well, well done him, because I sit here at the end of, well, towards the end of my life, I'm aware of that, uh, and I look back and I think, God, I've wasted a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, again, I think it's, I think our metabolic rates or the rate at which we do things, of course you can change and titrate it, but I also think, remorse and regret towards oneself is is such a futile energy yeah it's pointless um it is my life that's it mm. and i i didn't expect anything else but i i always find it extraordinary to come across other people who are so different from me you know i, I have friends like that they're always organizing holidays and they collect cars and they're, they're fixing things and they're they're going places and then they've also been down to the coast and they've got a boat and they've they've varnished that and then whilst whilst chopping down a tree and at the same time they're reading, <laughs> yeah. they're reading books and they're you know you go what what there are there five of you how do you do this me i cut the grass that's a day done well that's the point they probably have someone that they're employing to cut the grass you see <laughs> probably that's what i always console myself with yeah um, bastards <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, I, I wish I'd met your husband. He sounds an extraordinary man. But that desk is a, is a wonderful thing to put in. Can we cram it in? Yeah, it's a treasure trove of just clues to his character, yeah. I think. So that even when you're not there to relate personal memory of him, people will be able to glean it from it. Yeah, and I don't want them to have my version of him only. I mean, obviously, he's got four sisters and a mother who obviously have other very different versions of him to share. But there's something about his mind and colleagues who can throw light on, you know, his mischievous side and, and <laughs> how playful he was and how yes. and It's funny that, isn't it? When um, I worked with the actor Anthony Quayle when I was a young man, who was a delightful man, a lovely man, just after he died, his wife, Dot, uh, got in touch with me and said, would you come and have lunch with me? And I said, yeah, sure. And she said, well, I just want you to come and tell me about Tony and what he was like when I wasn't there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, I'm going to put that desk into the time capsule and that's in there, safe. Yeah. For future AI people to discover. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And yeah. so we need one final thing, but this is something in a way you want to discard from your life. And I have to say I'm amazed it's not the really tragic death of your husband. Well, I think we are entirely powerless, aren't we? And I yeah. think accepting and understanding that is, is the only way. And, and as you mentioned earlier on, I don't want to uh, put words into your mouth, but you said something about expectation that um, your life was what you had expected or you expected nothing more or something oh, yeah. like that. And and I think that, um, you know, being expectant, and, and it's different to being sort of curious or wanting to explore or that sort of energy, that forward moving mm. energy or propulsion or whatever you want to call it. What I think is a good restlessness is, is, is mm. an excitement about being alive. There's something around expectation or, or, you know, thinking that you can control outcomes that I think is, is our worst enemy actually. Mm. Um, so, so I think the thing that I would, and I don't know if we can do this, but I think it would be around um, procrastination. Ah. I, I've realised that I've 
procrastinate. That's my worst enemy. Mm. It's not any outside force. It's there's no one to blame. There's no. <laughs> it's entirely my own obstacle that I choose to be in the way of um, of of living every moment. I suppose. Uh, yeah. So the problem with the procrastinating is, I mean, you're definitely not in the present. I mean, you're just not in the present. You're sort of like a lot of us live, you know, in the past and the future. Yeah. Um, and um, I heard a sort of counter argument to procrastination that I thought was interesting that, of course, in this particular time, a bit like when you're pregnant or when you're um, a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, below the level of, of consciousness, there's all this adjusting, there's all this sort of body preparing for an unanticipated world, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, um, that as humans that's part of our survival mode. Yeah. We will be very, very busy bodily preparing for a potential danger or hazard. or And and that this procrastination very often is, is our friend, the fact that we don't run into things and we're not too uh, recklessly sort of spontaneous. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely not my story. <laughs> I, mean, I can wait for a really long time. Um, yeah. So... I, I think it would be great to shed, to get rid of, to leave that behind, to incinerate that. And learn to enjoy the now. That's the thing. It's not It's not sort of an either-or thing. Because without question, a lot of my life I have lived in the now. Without mm. question, kids make you do that. And yeah. you sort of follow them and you follow their lead. And they are so engaged in the now. Mm. So it's more just, I think... This sort of inner critic, the voice that gets there before the impulse does. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. As a kid, you have an impulse and so you just do it. Mm. And then as an adult, the voice is there before the doing it. And it kind of wrecks everything. And I think it's a form of procrastination. Yeah, no, I understand that completely. That, um, but, oh, hang on a second. Hang on, is that a good idea? Or just, oh, listen, it's not worth it. It's You Uh, know, it's not going to be any good. It's not, blah, blah, blah. Just... Just shut up. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know? Let it be none of your business, yeah. and and someone else can judge, and and there can be an appraisal afterwards. Of yes. what, you know that's what outside critics are for. But when your own one is the loudest voice in your head, mm. it's very, um, it's very restricting. Mm. I think. And as you say, hindsight is a wonderful thing. So why not leave it to that? Yeah. Let that decide whether it was a good idea or not. Don't try foresight as it mm. were. Ignore that. We were always teaching children, aren't we, to wait. Wait. Wait for it. Mm. All the time we're teaching children the sense of in the future. And as you say, it's yeah. a wonderful skill to be able to be in the now. I mean, I suppose the counter-argument is that as foragers and planters and farmers and people who need to plan for seasons then it's quite good (laughs) sometimes we plan for the future um i know i'm being fanciful yeah i'm being absolutely fanciful and you know wishing that the world were were something that you could just rush through and just do it as it comes but there are moments for that aren't there i think particularly with creative endeavor i suppose that's where it's um allowed yes it's it's just to you know put the pen to paper or get up and try something if you're in a rehearsal room or put shove some paint on the canvas. You can always paint over it. 
Yes, that's very true artistically. We all admire those people we've worked with who are absolutely like that, who just don't hold back. And also who don't stop. I have a musician friend who he he's composing at sort of three in the morning. Yeah. I mean, there is no... He doesn't feel like going to make a cup of coffee in between. You know, I, I just notice most of us are people who, oh, do you know I've got to get the kids' lunch ready? I must do his homework before. These things <laughs> that actually we don't even like doing particularly, you know, the laborious things with kids that need to be done, yeah. we'll prioritise and put ahead of something that actually could be deeply rewarding. Yes. And the kid doesn't notice if you're not sitting there doing the homework with him or not in fact he's probably relieved that you're not but the sort of you you know one can become very sort of duty bound and um I find I definitely as a parent I think with parenting today particularly there's a lot of virtue signaling that that you want it to be seen that you've done absolutely everything you possibly can Mm. to give your kids a good start you've turned an opportunity hoarding I think they call it where you know (laughs) You kind of create every single possible, and we'll do this and we'll do that, and I'll give him this, and I'll make sure that I listen to absolutely everything he says, and yeah. uh, and and be present for all of it. And and actually, there's huge benefits to being ignored yes, as a kid, and to being told actually you're not being very interesting. Um, and I I sort of I realize I think that I sort of thought I was being you know in inverted commas good by doing that. Mm. And actually I look back and I think, and even now as I'm living it still, I, I think, mm, I think I'm using that as an excuse, a big <laughs> old excuse not to get on with my own creative endeavors, Yeah, which is slightly embarrassing and shaming. And I hope my kids never listen to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, then I won't procrastinate anymore and I shall put procrastination into the time capsule as your final item. Yeah. So there we are. That's it. So uh, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and me. You work with all three <laughs> of us. Your work life must be complete, surely. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's been lovely talking to you. Oh, thank you. Gorgeous talking to you as well. Well done for <laughs> not procrastinating and doing this wonderful podcast. Finally. <laughs> You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Natasha McAlone. You can subscribe to this podcast on Acast, Spotify, or iTunes, or the podcast provider of your own choosing to hear all other episodes and to receive each new episode. And if you have the time, we'd love it if you would rate us and leave a review. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MyTCPod or at Fenton Stevens. This podcast was produced by John Fenton Stevens and the music is by Pass the Peas Music. It was a cast-off production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, then, well, why not tell your friends? You can stop strangers in the street and tell them if you want to. Be arrested. Bye for now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.